0: Blog Talk Radio Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is good to finally be back on the air. We've been having all kinds of crazy technical difficulties this evening. Uh, Goodness gracious, and we're not even anywhere near that uh, dreadful storm that's about to hammer Texas. I hope that uh, for all of our friends out there in Texas that you uh, are safe uh, and and stay safe. what a, what a tough storm that's going to be, having lived through Sandy here in New York. Um, I understand just how dangerous these storms are. So, first of all, let me wish all of you safety and uh, that you get through this thing uh, unscathed. Anyway, it's always good to join you at the end of the week to play the inevitable game of catch-up. Sorry that we are delayed in getting on the air. Those of you who are familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the former INS. And ever since 9-11, I've been doing everything in my power to get the message out there about the true importance of America's immigration laws and America's borders. Unlike the mainstream media that tries to gloss over it and equate immigration law enforcement with some kind of xenophobia, Uh, or or lack of compassion. Our immigration laws are incredibly compassionate, uh, but I have to tell you, compassion has to begin with looking out for the lives and livelihoods of Americans before we do anything else. And multiple failures of the immigration system have not only allowed terrorists repeatedly to enter the United States, repeatedly, and carry out a string of deadly attacks. Failures of border security have also permitted an influx. Of extremely violent and pernicious drug dealers, a flood of heroin and cocaine across America, creating unprecedented levels of addiction and the violence and destruction of life and futures of our young people that go with it. Um, This is not at all about being mean spirited, but about self defense, about protecting America and Americans. And it's very important to make the point that our immigration laws have absolutely nothing, I mean zero, to do with race, religion, ethnicity. That is a mythology created by the open borders, immigration anarchists, who have successfully, unfortunately, all too successfully, convinced Americans that our immigration laws are somehow unfair, involve racism or hatred, when in reality, if you go to Title 8, United States Code, Section 1182, And this isn't going to be a law lesson, but you can read all this on my website, michaelcutler.net. It's about keeping out aliens with dangerous diseases or who suffer from severe mental illness, aliens who are criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice. And then we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge, or if they worked, would displace American citizens. Um, You know, a good example of this, fake narrative that's been foisted on the american people and there's so many examples it's endless is the title of president trump's immigration executive order it's remarkable in fact i I was just interviewed by um, a young lady a reporter from new zealand today about daca d-a-c-a and i jokingly said yes it rhymes with caca i mean but yet everybody knows what daca is deferred action childhood arrival now, that's not the kind of term that just rolls off the tongue. So how do the American people come to find out about DACA? How is it that it's almost universally, universally accepted, that we all know DACA, created by President Obama, to provide supposedly, and that never gets put into the mix, supposedly young illegal aliens with temporary lawful status? Because the media accurately labeled the executive order that Obama issued – By its actual name The Deferred Action Childhood Arrival When we talk about President Trump's executive order Universally And I don't care what network I don't care what network uh, In the mainstream media They call it the travel ban Two words, travel ban And then it's followed up by saying For aliens from Muslim majority countries Every one of you have heard this Again and again And again, 100 times a day, flip the channel. I don't care who's in front of the cameras. Travel ban for Muslim-majority countries, right? No one ever gives the American people the actual name of this executive order because if they did, the controversy goes away immediately. Immediately. Because, you see, travel ban sounds pretty harsh. And the emphasis that this is about Muslim-majority countries You know, um, Indonesia has the greatest Muslim population of any country on the planet. Not on the list. Saudi Arabia, not on the list. Pakistan, not on the list. United Arab Emirates, not on the list. India, not on the list. Although India is not a Muslim majority, it does have a significant Muslim population. We can go right down that list of countries. Why aren't they on the list? If President Trump was truly trying to keep Muslims out of the United States, he's doing a lousy job. Now, why in the world doesn't the media talk about the actual title of the executive order? Because if they did, it would become immediately clear that what the president is doing is reasonable, sensible, and would make everybody happy. So they call it a travel ban. It disguises the real purpose and creates this illusion that you have an evil president who just hates people. And then when you look at the court decision and the way the headlines read in the newspapers, court won't allow Trump to separate grandchildren from their grandparents, you know, because this crazy judge in Hawaii said, Oh, you can't keep aliens out of the United States, except he wouldn't use the word alien. You can't keep these people out of the United States. Grandparents should have every right to be with their grandchildren. And then go down the list. Most people didn't bother reading the list. And the Supreme court The majority of the Supreme Court, all but three justices, rubber-stamped the Hawaii order. So here's the list of immediate family members, brothers-in-law, sisters-in-law, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins. And cousins. How many cousins, how many times removed from the family through marriage? doesn't matter. Anybody who claims any kind of relationship with any person, doesn't even say citizen, can't be kept out of the United States by the presidential order. Now, it also says that if you have a visa and have been attending school, you can't be kept out of the United States. If you have a visa for a job in the United States, you can't be kept out. In other words, just about anybody that can fog a mirror, even if they come from countries associated with terrorism, you can't be kept out of the United States. So if, for example, tomorrow morning the president is briefed by the FBI or the CIA or the NSA, and they go to him and say, Mr. President, We know that there are terrorists heading for the United States. They are carrying biological weapons that could kill a million people. They're carrying nuclear weapons. They're trying to come into the country with weapons of mass destruction. We're not sure about the identity. We're still working on it, but we know that their arrival on our border is imminent. We know that they're flying into an international airport. We don't know which one. All that we know is they're traveling, and let's hypothetically say, with passports from Uh, four possible countries and they lay out the four countries and the president says okay uh, they're coming from um, wherever pick a country syria they're coming from lebanon they're coming from uh, morocco you can't prevent them from entering now because the president says well block all aliens who come from those countries until we sort out who they are so we can prevent the terrorists from getting in what the supreme court just did it said to the President of the United States, Commander-in-Chief of our Armed Forces, you cannot stop basically anyone from entering the United States. Because that was the purpose of the law. In fact, the law, if you look at 1182F, it goes into it, and I don't have it in front of me, but to paraphrase, it's only two or three sentences. The President has the discretion by issuing a proclamation or executive order. It uses the term proclamation, same as executive order any alien or any class of aliens, either immigrants or non-immigrants, if the president believes it would be against the best interests of the United States, the best interests of the United States. Do you think keeping terrorists out of the United States is in our best interest? But they said, no, you can't do that because you're separating families. You're keeping workers from their jobs and students from their classrooms. Oh, no, 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 you can't have that. That law has been on the book for decades. It was invoked by President Jimmy Carter when he ordered that no Iranians be allowed into the country, uh, except for exceptional circumstances, once our embassy was overrun. It was invoked by Obama, and they've now taken the President of the United States and took away his authority to protect America from terrorists. It's that simple. I've written about it before. I feel compelled to talk about it again today because it's the lies that we keep hearing that make my head spin like a top so again let me reiterate the point if the media would simply publish the actual name of president trump's immigration executive order all the controversy would go away but that is not the goal of the globalists in our government whether they're justices whether they're congressmen whether they're senators governors mayors This is about taking down America's borders at a time when we face existential threats from North Korea, from Iran, from ISIS, from al-Qaeda, from drug trafficking organizations. And in fact, just before I began my program today, there was a news alert. North Korea has launched yet another missile. And we're going to talk about North Korea for the most part in in a moment. But before we get to North Korea, I want you to understand just how perilous this era of history is. I would argue that we are as much at risk today as we were during the Second World War, maybe more so because of nuclear technology that has escaped our borders, because of missile technology that has been spread around the world, and that's what I want to talk about today. America has never been at greater risk. American lives have never been more on the line this evening as I do this program. That's the madness. So let me give you the actual name of the so-called travel ban, which by its very title is a fat, ugly lie. The actual name of President Trump's executive order on immigration is protecting the nation by preventing the entry of foreign terrorists into the united states protecting the nation by preventing the entry of foreign terrorists into the united states that title is crystal clear and i don't know anybody who would take issue if the president stood there and said my goal is to keep terrorists out of the united states i don't care what political orientation you are of you would say thank god We've seen how many more instances of cars being used as weapons. How many more people need to die overseas and in our country because of wackaloon terrorists who have a hatred for America and Americans, who have a hatred for anyone who does not worship the way they do. You have terrorists that are using religion as an excuse to slaughter men, women, and children. And the president says, I'm the commander-in-chief. I need to protect you. That's my number one job, and it is. And now the Supreme Court said, no, tourism is more important. And by saying grandparents and grandchildren, they splashed that on the headlines. I got to tell you, we got a lot of dumb Americans who just look at a headline and say, wow, that miserable president wants to keep grandparents from their grandchildren? There's nothing about grandparents and grandchildren in the president's executive order. But it became the lead story in the headlines to vilify a president who I don't always agree with. I think his choice of language is is terrible. Language is nuanced. My degree was in communications. Language is critical. My mother used to say to me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. She also said that words are like bullets. Once they're out of your mouth, it's like a bullet being fired from a gun for all the money in the world. You can't get it back, and President Trump is certainly experiencing Uh, that problem more frequently than i wish he was but that aside stated objective of living up to campaign promises is freaking out the political establishment because the great vast majority of politicians are nothing more than damn liars they will say anything they need to say to get campaign contributions and votes and the day that they are elected they look at the average constituent and say who the hell are you It's like the football player at high school who wanted to spend the evening with the cheerleader and couldn't remember her name the morning after the night before. Who are you again? Do I know you? What are you doing here? So you have a president who made promises we're going to have Americans do the jobs. It's not just that the jobs are coming back to America. They're going to be done by American hands. His words, not mine, his words. And people are angry. Angry at what? We have millions of unemployed and underemployed Americans, people losing their homes to foreclosure. A president comes into office and says, we're going to bring the jobs back to America, but it's not enough that the jobs are here. They need to be done by American hands, not foreign hands working in America, but American hands. And everyone screams xenophobia. This is a level of insanity that I can't even begin to understand. It is incomprehensible, incomprehensible that you have a president who's standing up for Americans being told, no, you don't, because these politicians have been bought and paid for by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that is far more concerned with headcounts on airplanes and attendance at ballparks and Broadway shows and people buying food at expensive restaurants and buying trinkets all over the country. They're more concerned with those numbers than the other number that they should be more concerned with the number of bodies in the morgue because of criminal aliens operating in our country who are killing thousands of people every year. This isn't xenophobia. It's a statement of fact. When I was assigned to DEA intelligence back in the late 80s, early 90s, before I became a senior special agent with the old INS, I personally compiled the statistics. And in New York City, I was appalled to find out that's 60%. 60% of the people arrested by DEA in New York City for drug trafficking and related crimes were foreign-born. What are we doing? Have not enough children been killed by MS-13 and other violent gangs? And it's not just gangs from Latin America. It's the Russian mob. It's Asian organized crime. It's the Jamaican drug posses. It's the Italian mob. It's criminals from all over the world. Human nature is human nature. Name the country, and I guarantee you they have jails and criminals, because human nature doesn't change. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care where you were born. The human species has the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the ugly can be really bad. And so when people say, well, if you want to enforce the law, you're being xenophobic, that's nonsense. But we have raised a bunch of wusses, people who don't know how to stand up for themselves. And when people say things to them, you must be a xenophobe, instead of getting in the guy's face and say, how dare you, they say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Apologize and run for cover. And run for cover. Cowards. We've taught our kids, if a bully bullies you, run for help. Don't you dare lift a finger, because if you fight back, we're going to arrest you. We have trained American kids to be docile and subservient. I was a scrawny kid. I used to get the crap beat out of me every other week because I don't care about sports. i got a confession to make. Don't give a damn about sports. And you can imagine when you're with a bunch of boys, especially in junior high and high school, if you don't care about football or baseball, there's something wrong with you, and you know where that conversation goes. Except I had better heroes than people that could swing a stick at a round ball or throw a football. I'm not impressed, truthfully. I'd rather watch grass grow, but that's me. But, see, my heroes were the astronauts and test pilots. I had the privilege of meeting a number of those astronauts. I flew down to Florida to see the last moon launch. In fact, Gene Cernan, commander of that last Apollo mission to the moon, uh, was the commander of the flight that I saw. It was a nighttime launch at Cape Canaveral. And uh, I remember I had gotten sick, and this goes back to immigration and illness. Many of us who worked as inspectors at the airports and other ports of entry became ill because we were exposed to bacteria, to diseases that normally you wouldn't be exposed to here in the United States. And people would come in from every country on the planet, and half of these folks had no idea about hygiene or proper conduct. They would sneeze on you, cough on you. Uh, And unfortunately, occasionally, toss their cookies on your desk. You know, you'd be running from their vomit that they were spewing. So eventually, many of us got sick. Well, I wound up with London flu. I was in the hospital with 105-plus fever. I almost died. And as soon as I was well enough, I jumped on an airplane, flew down to Florida. I made it just in time, got out of the hospital in time so I could see that last moon launch. I will never forget watching that rocket lift off. I was right at water's edge, 20 miles away. And one of the people that was next to me brought a telescope with him. I was able to actually see the astronauts, including Gene Cernan, walk across the arm of the gantry to the command module of that Apollo mission. My original dream was to be an aerospace engineer. I did a little single engine flying as a kid. Those are my heroes. But you know, when you're a kid, if you're a little different, if you don't see things exactly the same way, and that's what's happening to America today, you get bullied except I refused to be bullied, but because I was scrawny, I'd come home, uh, and, and I'd get jumped, and I'd get beat up, and my clothing would get ripped, and my mom would get upset because she didn't have the money to buy me replacement clothing. My dad would frequently be in, off and on jobs. Construction work is like that. Anyone who's familiar with the building trades knows that. Feast or famine, as my mom used to say. My dad was either making overtime or he'd be out of work for three months. So when I see Americans who are struggling, it strikes a resonant chord because I lived that life as a kid until my dad died when I was 19, in part because he was exposed to asbestos in the building trades and also when he worked in the Navy shipyards during the Second World War because he wanted to contribute to the war effort. So he told me, he said, Mike, you're going to have to learn to stand on your own two feet you got to go to a gym, you are got to work out, you are got to put on some muscle, you've got to learn how to box, and you've got to learn how to defend yourself. And back then, our teachers told us to do that. I had a fistfight with a kid. The only question the principal asked was, who threw the first punch? Well, it was the other guy. He got into trouble, and I went on my merry way to class. I decked him. I decked him. This, this character had no idea that I had spent the entire summer pumping iron every other night and, and, and boxing on the weekends, because we were taught to defend ourselves. Today we're being taught run for help, run for help. That doesn't work very well. That really doesn't work very well. And I'm not advocating violence. I don't want someone to say, oh, my God, I heard Mike Cutler on his show advocating that people beat each other up. No, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. Because I'm going to tell you what happens. All it takes is one or two good fist fights and nobody picks on you anymore, so the violence stops. The Strategic Air Command, armed to the teeth with bombers and nuclear weapons, their motto was peace is our profession. The idea was that taking us on was too horrific a proposition. It was called mutually assured destruction, mad, and maybe it sounds mad, but it actually worked. It held the world together because the Russians looked at us, and we looked at the Russians, and nobody wanted to push the button because if we did, the world would have been irrevocably changed, and the death toll would have been incalculable. Because we, were, we had rational leaders, more or less. We could argue about some of the crazy stuff that's gone on. Uh, you look at some of the stuff the Russians did, and Castro, and Cuba, with all that craziness, and the missile crisis, I lived through it. But basically, world leaders were rational. They certainly didn't want to be annihilated. We're now dealing with terrorists who can't wait Can't wait to die, as long as they get to kill people who don't believe the way they do. All's right with their world. That's a whole new dynamic. You look at North Korea. That's a whole new dynamic. That's how perilous this is. You look at the 9-11 Commission report, and I was just remarking to my wife today that it's hard to believe that we are now coming up incredibly on the 16th anniversary of the terror attacks of 9-11. 16th anniversary, just a couple of weeks away. It's a generation ago. Kids in high school weren't even here when that happened, most of them. And if they were around, they were two years old, clueless. And I was speaking to a young man the other day on the phone and I said to him, How old are you? And he told me he was like 20 years old or something. I said, I bet you know more about Pearl Harbor than you do about 9 11. Even though more people died on 9 11 than were killed by the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And he said, You know, Mr. Cutler, that's an interesting point. And you're right. We did study World War II, but we really didn't pay much attention to what happened on 9 11. All we know is that some terrorists flew airplanes into buildings. So we have a generation coming up right now who have about what 9 11 was about who didn't live through it, don't relate to it, and they're not being taught anything about it. We are allowing ourselves to be made vulnerable by globalists who don't give a damn how many people die as long as they can make money, blood money, blood money. So now we look at North Korea, and this gets me to an article that I just wrote for Californians for Population Stabilization, capsweb.org. You know, I write for a number of websites. I write for FrontPageMag.com, FrontPage Magazine. I write for The Social Contract. I have an interesting article coming out for the fall edition of The Social Contract about uh, basically George Orwell. Control of language equals control of thought, and that takes us down the path to tyranny. So I can't wait for that to be published, and I hope everybody will go check it out. But of more immediate concern is an article that I just wrote Capsweb.org, it just went up on their website this morning And here's the title, America undermines Its national security by educating its adversaries I want you to stop and think about that, it's at Capsweb.org, America undermines its national Security by educating its adversaries, now what am I talking about Well, back in the 50s, and many of you Maybe don't know about this, or maybe you do. But there was an infamous trial. A couple, husband and wife, the Rosenbergs, were accused and convicted of passing nuclear secrets to the Soviet Union. This was shortly after the Second World War. Joseph Stalin was on the march, and Russia, our supposed ally during the Second World War, immediately went off in their own direction and were opposing us in what became known as the Cold War. And we. Set off the first hydrogen bomb Which was a fusion bomb I'm not going to get too much into the science of it But uh, The atom bomb dropped on Hiroshima and the other one dropped on Nagasaki Fat boy and little uh, Little, Little boy and fat man Two different types of fission weapons Where the atoms split Set off chain reactions The way that nuclear reactors work And an out of control nuclear reaction Led to a nuclear detonation There's a more powerful weapon that uses the power of the sun, nuclear fusion, and it fused hydrogen to create helium, which is what the sun does, a little arcane point of science, boys and girls. I was going to be an engineer. I guess it's showing right now. But helium was first discovered on the sun before we realized it was here. That's why it was named for the god of sun, Helios, helium, because it was discovered on the sun using a spectrograph. So, The way that you get helium is you fuse two hydrogen atoms and you get helium. Um, So we set off the first bomb. I actually admitted Edward Teller at Kennedy Airport many years ago when I was an inspector. Edward Teller uh, didn't like the nickname but was often referred to as the father of the hydrogen bomb. But that's why it was called the hydrogen bomb. It didn't burn hydrogen the way the, um, um, the German Zeppelin went up. Um, you know, the hydrogen burned and it created water and so forth. That was a chemical reaction. This is a nuclear reaction involving hydrogen. One has nothing to do with the other, but it's commonly called a hydrogen bomb, which I think also confuses the average American. Going back again to the point that Americans really are scientifically illiterate most of the time, which has made it easy for people to... Uh, dupe americans about a host of issues we could talk about climate change we can talk about a bunch of stuff and it's not that we can agree or disagree it's that nobody asks any questions because when people raise the word science and some guy puts on a white lab coat everyone starts vibrating and says oh science is complicated they must know what they're talking about maybe not (laughs) you know but so the the rosenbergs were accused of passing nuclear secrets They were executed because the idea that we would give nuclear technology to our enemy was an unthinkable crime. It's treasonous. It's treasonous. On February 28, 1993, a bomb was set off in the garage of the World Trade Center. Um, It was a terrorist attack carried out on American soil by men from the Middle East who came here. A couple of them got amnesty thanks to Chuck Schumer and his agricultural provisions of the Reagan amnesty. Reagan gave us that amnesty. I will never forgive him for that or the fact that he put a confidentiality clause in the amnesty bill so that immigration agents couldn't even share amnesty files with other agencies, whether it was the FBI or local homicide detectives without court orders. Initially, they were trying to block it under any circumstances. Both parties have done this to us. Don't get confused. This isn't a left-right issue. It's a right-wrong issue, and it's the globalists versus the populists. And the reason Trump is getting such grief from his own party is they are globalists, and he's not. They take campaign contributions, and he doesn't. They can't relate to this guy. They're used to being bribed, and here's a guy that doesn't want the money. What do we do with this guy? They're in panic mode. They're in panic mode. So... In any event, to get back to this issue, you have the globalists who um, are are, are happy to leave our borders open and ignore the terror attacks. So we have this terrorist attack on February 26, 1993, a month after a shooting at the CIA by Kansi, a Pakistani national who had applied for political asylum, and then killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. Two terrorist attacks back-to-back. I did my first hearing about terrorism and immigration, May 20th, 1997, because of those attacks, the link between immigration fraud, visa fraud, and terrorism. And then on February the 24th, 1998, two days short of the fifth anniversary of 9-11, the Senate Judiciary Committee had a hearing. And the hearing was about immigration fraud. I'm sorry, it was about terrorists operating in the United States, foreign terrorists operating in the United States. They were looking at visa fraud. They were looking at a host of issues diane feinstein democrat right was the member of that committee and she raised three issues and i and i write about this in my article for caps she talked about how maybe we should end the visa waiver program well this is something i've been screaming about since they began this foolishness we need to have aliens apply for visas and if countries reciprocate and tell americans you need to apply wonderful i will tell you a story about that afterwards but Understand, there's nothing wrong with filling out a form for a visa. You go through a process to keep your driver's license. Life is full of these little processes. They tie us up. We kill a day here and we lose a day there. It's part of the price we pay for living in a modern society. So Dianne Feinstein said we need to maybe end this visa waiver program. She was right. That was item one. Item two, maybe we ought to stop giving visas to aliens who are citizens of countries that sponsor terrorism. Maybe we should stop giving out visas to the aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Wow, doesn't that sound remarkably like something that Donald Trump has been saying and gets criticized and people go out and riot over? And then she said, and we certainly need to rethink this idea. I'm paraphrasing what Diane said, but maybe we need to rethink this idea of giving training in nuclear physics and biochemistry to citizens of countries that sponsor terrorism because we could be teaching terrorists how to create weapons of mass destruction with which they will kill us. Now stop and think about it. And then she enumerated a couple of instances of terrorists who had that training and who were um, posing a threat to our safety. I've written about some of these terrorists. Sadiqi, this woman who was educated at um, MIT and uh, at another university in the United States, had her Ph.D. in biochemistry, and she was the one who tried to kill our soldiers. She was charged with pulling a rifle on our soldiers and shooting at them overseas. Thankfully, she didn't kill anybody. She also went to Brandeis. Ironically, Brandeis University, named after a brilliant Jewish scholar, and and now the campus politics is such that the Jews are falling into disrepute at a school named for a major Jewish scholar. How long will it be before they insist? that they changed the name of that university. God forbid it should be named after a Jewish scholar. I mean, this is the madness that we're witnessing across America today. So Dianne Feinstein raised that issue. Of course, if Donald Trump said it, it would be a whole other story, wouldn't it? And this was in 1998, 19 years ago, 1998. So here we are in 2017 and look at how the landscape has changed we had 9-11 we've had a succession of other terrorist attacks in the united states we've had other deadly attacks overseas and instead of saying you know we better do something about it if you dare stand up and say maybe we need to be more careful about who we're letting into the country you get screamed at you're accused of being a hater a xenophobe a nativist The language just goes on endlessly, and all we're trying to do is defend ourselves. If the police came to you and said we have a problem with burglars and home invaders in the neighborhood, a rational person would lock their door at night. Maybe they'd put another lock on the door. You know, you can always tell when you're in a strange town. And I do a lot of traveling. I'll be heading to Colorado next month. I'll be the keynote speaker at Constitution Week. Very excited about that. Um, Sheriff Dave Clark was uh, the guy who was their keynote last year, so I'm very, very proud of this invitation. I'll be doing some other traveling. I, I work with the Speakers Bureau, Allen Freed Associates. Happy to, to um, work with them. I'll be going to St. Louis to a military base, and I'll be back in Washington again doing a presentation for leaders in the United States military. And, and so wherever you go, though, if you go into a different city, a different town, and you're trying to get oriented, Usually, you can spot the high-crime neighborhoods very easily. Think about this. You go driving through a town, and you see people that have put bars up on the windows of their houses. You can, make it, you can be pretty sure that they're doing it out of a fear of burglars. Imagine if the town told the people you can't put bars on your windows. In fact, you've got to leave your doors open at night. Otherwise, you're antisocial. You'd say, that's crazy. So America has lost thousands of people to criminal aliens, to international terrorists. And when anyone stands up like President Trump and says we've got to secure the borders, we've got to protect ourselves, the screaming doesn't end. You're a xenophobe, you're a hater, you're this, you're that. How about sensible? How about looking out for your children? How about looking out for your families? How about looking out for your fellow Americans? If you look at the 9-11 Commission report... It was crystal clear that the attacks of not only 9-11, but other terrorist attacks, could not have happened. Could not have happened if it wasn't for multiple failures of the immigration system, border security, the visa process, and the way that we give lawful status to aliens. I'm not the only one saying it. The 9-11 Commission said it. But you won't hear that in the news. You won't hear that in the news. I guess the 9-11 commission was comprised of xenophobes. The lunacy is that all we're saying is let's be careful that we don't let criminals and terrorists into the United States. Let's make certain that Americans get the first shot at jobs. Let's make certain that American kids who go to school and work hard will be rewarded for their efforts with the knowledge that they can write the next success story when they graduate from school. That's what this is about. And if you look at the poverty in America's minority community, it is devastating. It is relentless. It wears these kids down. There was a study done a few years ago that said that living in poverty has the equivalent of reducing a person's IQ, I think it was by 18 points. This is significant stuff. There was just a report yesterday on the news that because of overcrowding on Long Island, High schools are now renting classroom space in universities because of the surge of children coming into the high schools. They weren't born yesterday. Many of these kids are probably children who are here because their parents or they themselves crossed our borders. We are flooding America with foreign students. And English as a second language has become a very big issue. So instead of taking money and working with children with learning disabilities, ADHD, and autism, and so forth, and those programs can be very successful. My own son is a classic example. His successes are possible because of early intervention. My second oldest son just got his master's degree. He works with learning disabled kids. But those programs are short on funding because more and more money keeps being pumped into English as a second language. Am I xenophobic when I say that American children should have an opportunity for a decent life in their own country? That's not xenophobia. That's common sense. But we've been so intimidated by the loudmouths, by the rioters, by the people who need safe spaces so that only they will be safe. And safe from what? Safe to live in poverty? This is the biggest collection of idiots I've ever seen. They're acting against their own long-term best interests, But they have been convinced. God only knows how. P.T. Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute. Those people out there demonstrating against effective immigration law enforcement, well, they were probably born a minute apart because there's a sucker born every minute. Or as H.L. Mencken said, no one ever lost money underestimating the intelligence of the average American. I, I hope they're not the average American because they scare me. Their stupidity scares me. And their willingness to resort to violence scares me. You know, President Trump was wrong when he talked about good people on both sides of this business that went on in Virginia. There's too many violent people in the extremities on both sides. You want to talk about the Nazi dirtbags? I wish they would vanish from the earth. I'd throw a party. My family was decimated by the Nazis. And so were 13 million people altogether. Everyone talks about 6 million Jews or at least 13 million people were killed by that Nazi rampage. No sympathy in my heart for those pieces of garbage. But are the people calling for the death of police any less disgusting? You know, the black lives folks that were out there, what do we want, dead cops? Really? There's too much violence on both sides, and who's stuck in the middle? Just like the middle class keeps getting hammered economically, Ideologically, the Americans in the middle are getting hammered. We need to start to stand up and get our voices heard. We need to write letters. We need to refute the nonsense, the blather being foisted on us. We are allowing China to send us their students to become engineers and scientists in the United States. They are acquiring our technology and transferring it to North Korea. It's as simple as that. There's been spy case after spy case involving Chinese. And if you think that they're our allies, think again. They've built up their island, artificial island in the South China Sea. They have buzzed our airplanes. They've warned us, don't get too close or else. They are building a nuclear fleet, and we are educating their engineers so they can do this. What in the world are we doing? Think about what Diane Feinstein said about educating people who want to kill us. Now, I'm not saying China wants to kill us today, but who knows what the dynamics will be and the relationship America has with China 10, 20, 30 years from now. Our children, our grandchildren will be suffering the consequences of the idiocy of the greedy bastards that are running this country today. You have to look at people and understand that they could be your adversary. How in the world we gave China most favored trade status is beyond me. They hack our computers. They have no respect for intellectual property rights, whether it's patents or copyright law. They're building up their arsenal. They are challenging us within our own hemisphere because they need more energy than ever. And we're making it easy for them. We move our factories to China because the labor is cheap. Well, that's right. The labor is cheap, and the corporate idiots that have done this are only concerned about profit margins for the next profit statement, the next earnings statement. But what happens on the day that China might decide we need to apply pressure to America and they nationalize our factories and say, you know what? We've just taken over the buildings. Get your people out of here. If they let them leave, maybe they'll arrest them. Who knows? I don't trust totalitarian communist regimes. In America, when people have a grievance with working conditions, you go to the bargaining table. In China, there is no bargaining table. Conditions were so bleak at some of those factories turning out those nice shiny toys that we like to use in America. I'm glad that the president convinced China to get one of those companies to move to America to build the Apple phones here. But you have people jumping out the windows. They live with their families inside the factory. It sounds like a bee's life, you know. They live in the honeycomb. The wife, the kids, the, the, the father, everybody working. They live inside a fa- living in a factory. Really? And you have people out there screaming about America and how unfair we are and the terrible things America has done. America has done terrible things. But I've got to tell you, when you compare America with all the other countries, I'll take America any day of the week and twice on Sunday, and we are constantly self-correcting. Think about the Declaration of Independence in order to form a more perfect union. And yes, grammatically, that's a bad sentence, but we have been working at it. America is a work in progress. And we have righted so many of our wrongs, and there are more wrongs that need to be righted, and that's fine. But that is done through the democratic process, not through a totalitarian process, but the nitwits who are out there wanting to tear down America have no idea what they're playing with because when you create a vacuum, you never know what's going to fill the vacuum. Unfortunately, the only thing that those individuals understand is the vacuum that they find between their ears. Because if they had gray matter between their ears, they would understand that what they are doing is dangerous, deadly dangerous. Instead of thanking their lucky stars that they're in the United States and not China, not North Korea, not other countries, and I could rattle them off. Why don't they go visit those countries and see how it works out for them? Why don't they see what really happens in countries that don't meet the needs of its citizens? America does a great job of looking after its citizens or had been until the courts decided that you could provide unlimited campaign contributions to political parties and to political candidates. And so now what we perhaps need within the government is an official auctioneer to auction off Americans' freedoms and Americans' opportunities. And that's why we need to push back. We need to understand that the idea that the United States is providing Chinese students, and if you read my article at CapsWeb.org, you will see that India sends us the greatest number of STEM students, science, technology, engineering, and math. China comes in number two. And believe it or not, our good friends, the Saudis, the Saudis are number three. What in the world are we doing Why in the world would we educate people from countries of questionable – I'm not talking about India now, but I'm certainly talking about China, and I'm certainly talking about Saudi Arabia. Why in the world are we helping people – I mean, look at bin Laden. He was an engineer, and look what he did with his engineering education. Understand the dangers to what we are doing so we can fill classrooms in the United States – Those classrooms, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you, should be filled by American kids. I would much rather subsidize the education of children living in poverty who demonstrate academic capability. I would much rather pay for their education today so they could get out of poverty, become active participants in our society Because what we're seeing in abject poverty is a level of despair and crime and violence, and it costs us so much. But more important than the money it costs us, it costs us so many valuable, irreplaceable young lives among America's blacks, America's Latinos, American whites. I don't see color here, folks. And if these idiotic pollsters want to go out there and do their silly polls with all their magic markers and the lines that go up and the lines that go down – Boy, it looks so serious, and it's all a joke. But if you want to do an analysis of who wants what done, stop the racism, because the pollsters are racist. When you could talk about Latino voters and make it sound as though they want something different from all other Americans, that, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you is classic racism. Assigning values to a person based on nothing more than his or her race, by definition, is racism. You want to do your silly polls? well great then do it by age do it by socioeconomic standing millionaires have very different concerns from the average person who's struggling to keep his family afloat financially you know the millionaires that need five airplanes and six mansions and the list goes on and the more they have the more they need so they would poll differently than the American family that's struggling to pay heating oil in the winter and pay for a college education for their children so they have different needs that's reasonable talk about people living in the city versus people who live on the farms yeah they have different concerns too that makes sense but the pollsters are always doing it by race and religion and ethnicity and that's bigotry and that's racism and that's identity politics and yet you have conservative programs come on decrying the politics of identity and then they bring on some pollster who talks about Latino voters. The hypocrisy blows my mind, and the foolishness of the average American not to see through the lies and the BS astonishes me. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat because I'm a labor guy. I grew up among construction workers, tradesmen, men who actually did something worthwhile. How many bankers try to convince people that a piece of paper with a scam on it is a quote-unquote product three card monte is not a product they've scammed us again and again and again and they talk about the products they have you contrast those guys in those fancy suits with their scams with hard-working blue-collar americans i've got a degree my parents made sure i got a degree but i'll tell you what i'll take an honest-to-god tradesman over 90 percent of the people with degrees out there because they actually know how to do something worth doing We've got to get Americans back to understand that there's far more that unites us than divides us. We need to get rid of politicians who refuse to represent us or our children. This is the work Americans must do. We need to see through the lies. We need to see through the nonsense. Um, These news programs have become nothing more than propaganda outlets. Because so many of those networks have second and third language subsidiary networks. They make money that way. Do you think they want anybody to remove part of their audience? The more people who watch their idiotic programs, the more money they can charge when people want to buy airtime for commercials. Who really stands with the average American? It's time we stood up for ourselves peacefully but armed with the facts. And that's why I'm asking you, please go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Go to capsweb.org. See this article that I wrote today about educating our adversaries. Front Page Magazine should have a very interesting article, I'm hopeful, by Monday, about this false choice of DACA, the Deferred Action for So-Called Childhood Arrivals. God knows when they came here. There's no interviews, no field investigations, or the wall. How this became an either-or is beyond me. So please go to those websites, michaelcutler.net, capsweb.org, frontpagemag.com, the social contract, my friends over at Newsmax. And please, folks, get involved. I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Please um, don't let it be a spectator sport for you either. Speak to your neighbors, your friends, and make sure that people deal with the truth not the make believe truth, but the truth that truly exists. Everyone has skin in this game, and I hope you'll be a participant. Have a great weekend, everybody. I look forward again to seeing you next week, uh, same time, same place, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Solo.